This is the American Variety Network on Block Talk Radio with Alex Cardinale. Live from Springfield, Massachusetts.
You are tuned in live to the American Variety Network here, live on Blog Talk Radio. With a name like American Variety, you can expect a wide variety of topics. Now, let's get live here on the AV Network. Hey, calling all fish keepers. It's time to chat aquariums right here, right now on American Variety Network. Fishkeeper Alex Cardinale, his fishkeeping hosts, and his fishkeeping guests will chat about anything and everything aquarium fish. Ladies and gentlemen, we present to you Aquarium Talk the Podcast, which is our tropical fishkeeping podcast where we will discuss anything from freshwater catfish to freshwater oddballs to the awesome saltwater clownfish, tans, and even corals and live rock. So fishkeepers, sit back, relax, and unwind. Aquarium Talk the Podcast is now on the air. All right, so let's get this fun interview with Aquarium Max started. Now, I know you said that you guys have been in the fishkeeping hobby for 37 years, so what are some of the fish that you guys have kept? Well, oh, wow. goodness. <laughs> Let's see. How we've, long is your show? <laughs> <laughs> we've kept quite a few different kinds. Um, a lot of the time, though, I mean, I started out, of course, keeping the most basic uh, fish. Uh, when I was four, when I started, we started out with some shoebunking goldfish. But uh, I've since kept many, many different species and bred quite a few of them, too. Um, I would say we focused on freshwater fish, but... Uh, I'd say, let's see, probably have about four or five years of saltwater fish keeping experience, too, um, and have bred various species of cichlids and rainbow fish and, I don't know, things, uh, egg scatters like white cloud mountain minnows and danios, celestial pearl danios, um, zebra danios, that kind of thing, um, and have kept some some of the more unusual f- dojos and things like that. So, um yeah, uh, quite a quite a variety, I would say. Oh, awesome! That's great. So, which side of the hobby you like better, freshwater or saltwater? I'd say it's it's too difficult to compare them. We we like them both. Um, we currently don't have a marine tank. Uh, we have some brackish tanks right now and freshwater tanks. But um, I I really enjoy the um, marine side of the hobby a lot. I think there are the, the whole ecosystem aspect of it is really fun, and it's kind of a sad story why we don't keep them right now, actually. It's because um, I was on a business trip to Massachusetts, I think it was at the time, and one of the kids decided to feed the marine tank with a bunch of goldfish food. And oh, so oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. it crashed. We were able to salvage some of the marine life and bring it into the pet store, but we're, we weren't able to get the ecosystem back to where it needed to be fast enough to be able to help them. So um, we took back what we could salvage. And, yeah, Sorry that was kind that. of – Yeah, that was several years ago. It wasn't, wasn't a fun experience. But uh, previous to that, we had quite a lot of fun with our marine tanks. We uh, had a marine biologist friend who actually bred uh, feather duster worms as part of his uh, doctoral uh, dissertation, and uh, he gave us one, and we, we kept it for quite a few years. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, when, that was when we lived in Hawaii. So we would go snorkeling among all the uh, beautiful marine fish there. 
so we had three years of, of doing that as often as we could and have lots of uh, fun experiences with, uh, with that. We saw um, everything from octopus and squid and cuttlefish to moray eels and yellow tangs and cleaner wrasses, all kinds of fun stuff. Ah, nice. I love the yellow tangs and the moray eels. Those are my favorite saltwater fish. Oh, yeah. They are amazing. Nice. I'm currently a saltwater fish keeper. I got a couple of yellow tangs, and soon I'm going to have a moray eel. Oh, what kind of moray eel are you going to be having? Probably a snowflake one. Oh, yeah. yeah those are neat. I remember. We, we found a few of those at uh, Turtle Bay. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Nice. So what kind of fish are you keeping right now? Well, right now, aquarium-wise, we have one planted goldfish aquarium uh, with it's mostly Anubias, and we've got a planted tank with gold barbs and a couple of female betas in there, and then we've got, let's see, four brackish tanks with Hawaiian opaiula dwarf shrimp, and then we've got an axolotl tank and then a tank with an African clawed frog. I think that's all of our aquariums right now, isn't it? I think. <laughs> Very nice. So what are your guys' thoughts on monster fish like Pacus and Oscars? Mm. Well, someday I would love to do that. Um, we don't have the space right now, but someday we'd love to. I think Kelly, one of Kelly's favorites is uh, she'd love to get rays sometimes. <gasps> oh, I would love to get oh, rays. Nice. And we'd need a nice big tank for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Just have an entire room, you know, with kind of a... Like at the aquarium, kind of a shallow pool where you can just go in and pet them. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, they have some uh, freshwater stingrays that are pretty awesome. They do. Yeah. yeah. Our local aquarium has uh, two ray touch tanks with saltwater rays, but then they have another tank with freshwater rays that they have actually bred. They have a whole bunch of babies in there right now. Yeah, it was neat. It was fun to see. Yeah, they have a tank at the New England Aquarium that has freshwater stingrays as well. Cool. Yeah, I've actually been to that aquarium. That time I had the business trip in uh, Massachusetts, I I believe that was when I went. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was. It was, I, it was a great aquarium out That there. was the best part of the trip, right? It was. It always <laughs> is. Whenever I go on a business trip somewhere, I try to go to an aquarium. And, so, yeah, it was fun. But monster, I don't know, monster fish, it, it depends on the keeper. If you know what you're getting into and you have the equipment and the space and you know, what you need to take care of them, then great. But definitely need to be prepared for those kind of fish. Yeah, there's so many people who go into the pet store and pick up, like, a baby Paku or something, having no idea that it's going to actually end up larger than their tank. So even even uh, a lot of the other fish, like uh, just a normal Trinidad Placo, can get way too big for people's tanks. So important thing to keep in mind. Very true. So I know that pluckos you just mentioned, there's a lot of variety of fancy pluckos out there. Have you kept any fancy pluckos? Let's see. I don't think I have. I think. Of the placos? Yeah, fancy ones. Well, I've kept some. We've of got the, the calicos. Well, I don't yeah, know those. Fancy. I think he's thinking more about the. There, there are some like clown placos and different oh, things okay. that are even fancier. But we have bred uh, placos before. We, um, I had a, a calico bristle nose and uh, an albino bristle nose. We um spawned those and then got a whole bunch of babies and had several generations of 
albino and um, normals and calicos and so on. In fact, we donated, uh, I don't know, half a dozen to one of our daughter's teachers at school, and she put them in a big 55-gallon tank, and we came back to visit her a year or two later, and she had a lot. <laughs> loads of them, and they were all descendants <laughs> of the ones that we gave her. Nice. So how did you start breeding fish? Was it just luck? Well, uh, I think I started breeding pretty simple fish with uh, when you were just a when kid. I was a kid, yeah. 12 or 13 years old. I started breeding guppies, and of course that happens whether or not you want it to. That's one of your like strong memories from a kid, though, is when your very first baby guppy was yes, was I was born. ecstatic. I remember running, screaming up the stairs, telling everybody how my fish had had babies, and <laughs> it was. And then not too long after that, I spawned um, a few other things, white clubs and danios and uh, things like that, had fun with that. Um, I remember one of the times I spawned fish when I was that age was completely by accident. I was cleaning out tanks, and I put a couple of pairs of fish in a small tank full of java moss and then put them back out because I was taking down a tank and putting it back up. So I just put them in there for a short time, but different species at a time. And then a few days later, a neighborhood kid had come by to see my critter room and he was walking by and said what are those tiny little fish in that tank and i said there aren't any fish in that tank he said yes there are and i I came over close to it and there were about 30 to 50 little fry swimming around and i realized i had put several different species in there uh and i didn't know what species they were so i had to wait until they got three or four weeks old and i realized they were zebra daniels so that was fun and then as you got older, you kind of thought, oh, okay, this can kind of support my hobby, make the hobby kind of pay for itself. Right, and so I, I began to sell some fish and um, take fish into the pet store in exchange, you know, for credit and that sort of thing. So that's when I started doing more of that and breeding other species and doing it more, uh, I guess, doing it more as a conscious choice rather than just letting it happen. Well, and then um, our kids have had the chance to do that, too, for one of their science fairs. We bred betas, and they raised all the betas and, you know, did all their scientific observations about the process and the growth and everything. And so it's been fun that they've gotten to, to grow up with that, too. Yeah, each child chose a different uh, research question, but they all centered around the betas that we were spawning, and it was it was interesting. Everything from aggression to types of food and uh, different things. I think one of them did... Uh, different number of water changes per day or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. I heard betas are hard to breed. Is that true? Actually, they're they're not very hard to breed. Um, they're very time-consuming to breed. Yes. So in that sense, they're difficult just because you need to dedicate so much time to changing the and water. And space. And a lot of space uh, for separating. Once you need to separate the males when they're a month or two, I guess it was about two two months old when we separated most of the males, uh, then you're doing water changes for each jar every day or more than once a day. And that was extremely time-consuming. It was it was a good thing we had six of us. We all took different duties and got that done. But actually getting them to spawn wasn't that hard, and uh, they they grew really fast. It was, it was really fun to watch, but it was uh, very time-consuming. We decided that unless we get... Uh, flow-through system with <laughs> beta barracks. We're probably not going to do it again just because it took so much effort, but it was fun. And we we ended up spawning some really beautiful bettas from mm-hmm. from that and uh, sold sold quite a few of them. And then we kept a number of the females together in a sorority tank for a while, and that was fun too. 
Very nice. So what are your guys' thoughts on people keeping better than bulls? Do they belong in an aquarium, in your opinion? <laughs> yeah, we, we've talked about this one before. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I don't think um, a better should be in a bowl unless, you know, for its whole life. If, if you're keeping one in there when it's young, it's just been, you know, separated. That's one thing. But for its uh, lifetime, it should not be in a small bowl. Um, I prefer to keep them in a tank of several gallons capacity. Just they're happier. They, they're a lot more active, and uh, they're easier to keep. It's easier to keep clean, too. So that's what I prefer. Although um, I've seen some systems that are pretty easy to to clean, but really I think the tiny bowls that are sold are just too small for a beta. It's just it's not really a, a happy life for them. I agree with your statements there, and I think people should stop uh, putting bettas and goldfish in a bowl. I mean, you can usually get like a five-gallon or a seven-gallon nano tank nowadays. Exactly. I agree, and really, you can get a, a tank that's several gallons capacity for not that much more than, than a bowl these days. That's true. So you might as well just go ahead. And you could toss in some java moss and maybe a couple snails, and you've got a whole ecosystem. Exactly. So it's also more interesting to watch and more natural. And more interesting for the fish. Yeah, the fish get stimulation by the, with the moss and maybe chasing around the snails. Some betas love yeah. to chase snails. Uh -huh. Yeah. Very true. Now, what's your advice for beginners entering into the fish-keeping hobby? Well? Do your research. Yeah, do your research. That's a great great start um another one don't start with goldfish even yeah. though i did it i was four i didn't know any better <laughs> um, are a great fish to keep but they're not really a beginner's fish they just happen to be really cheap so people start with them but um i would also say and i know this is an often repeated bit of advice but start out with a larger tank the largest tank that you can fit into your budget into your space because larger tanks are simply more forgiving of mistakes and are also it's easier to find something that's going to do well in a larger tank. If you start out with a 10-gallon like so many people do, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you're not likely as a beginner to know what's actually going to fit in a 10-gallon tank and live there happily its whole life. Uh, so a lot of people will overstock it or get something that's going to be fine for a few months but soon will outgrow it. So I would say you know, start out with a 55 if you can or, or larger, and if you can't, start with at least a 20. The other thing we often talk about is fishless cycling. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a great point. I think we have a couple of episodes dedicated to that, don't we? We do, and beginners should always know about uh, fishless cycling before they embark on the uh, in the aquarium adventure. I think you, you need to have a, a tank fishlessly cycled. Not that it can be, can't be done other ways, but it's just better for the fish if you can, so I, I highly recommend doing it. Could you explain to our listeners what fish cycling is? Sure, yeah. Well, basically, if you put a fish in a tank with completely new, clean water that's been dechlorinated and properly treated so that you know it doesn't hurt the fish, um, the fish will immediately start excreting waste, toxic waste, into the water, and that will slowly build up until it either kills the fish, which often happens, or bacteria start to deal with it and turn it into something less toxic. Uh, by doing a fishless cycle, you add those wastes without the fish, and eventually the bacteria will come along and start 
um, handling those wastes, which, you know, it starts out as ammonia and becomes nitrite and then nitrate through different bacterial cycles. And basically through that process, the, the bacteria render that ammonia so much less toxic that it's, it's really not an issue um, for your fish and small regular water changes can take care of it and reduce it so that's not a problem. Uh, but instead of poisoning the fish, you allow the bacteria to build up, and as soon as you put the fish in there, the bacteria can immediately handle all that waste that comes in and process it, change it into nitrate, so it's no longer a problem for the fish. And a lot of beginners miss that step, and so That's they get why fish, their fish that start die out within a few weeks, right, or less. Or they they end up either dying or going through a very stressful period and getting a disease and then dying, or if they're lucky, they survive, but they're often weakened and their their lifespan is shortened. So. Um, that's that's why I recommend it. It's it's often you you've described it as I mean it's ammonia what they're putting into the water and so if you take a container of ammonia if you've ever cleaned with it and you know those fumes that you're breathing in that's like what they're living in. Yeah, that's that's a good way if if anyone's ever smelled ammonia and they can imagine having to live in a room trapped with that stuff. <laughs> you're not going to do very well. <laughs> I don't know what their fish is going through. So is there a way to speed up a cycle? There are actually a lot of ways to speed up the cycle. Um, one way is to get some bacterial additives. There are several out there on the market that um, contain the bacteria themselves, uh, and they usually have to be treated very carefully because they're live bacteria, But and so they'll have a shelf life. Some of them need to be refrigerated, things like that. But you can add the bacteria directly to the tank, and that will make it faster. Another thing you can do is take a filter or a portion of a filter or some filter media from an existing established tank and put that in the tank. And by doing that, you can often completely um, avoid cycling because the bacteria are already there. So there are ways to speed it up or even eliminate it. But uh, you, if you don't do a whole fishless cycle, which may take several weeks, you can um, use one of those shortcuts and maybe not even have to worry about it. But you have to think about the alternatives. Basically, you have to, if you think about it like this, before you get put any fish in there, you need to have a thriving bacterial colony that's ready to process the waste. And whichever way you do that is fine as long as you do one of them. And I know with, with marine tanks, um, one way that is used is when you put the live rock in and you let the, the live rock begin to process things, and it's both producing waste and um, metabolizing waste at the same time, that by the time you put the fish in, you've essentially cycled the tank with a live rock. Yeah, saltwater tanks are fun to cycle because you can just add a piece of marker shrimp too to help you up the cycle as well. Right, and and you can also do that in a in a freshwater tank. That's that's one way to do it. Um, any sort of um, ammonia source works. Some people have they'll put a few sprinkles of fish food in to get it started, or you can put in a couple of pieces of chopped shrimp or whatever. Um, my favorite is to use um, just ammonium chloride which you can get online for just a few dollars. I like to use that because um, in a freshwater tank, I think it's more of a problem. If you put shrimp or fish food in there, the phosphorus will begin to be an algae source. And then since you, in a marine tank, you've already got live rock in there doing things and processing that, it's not as big of a deal. Uh, but in a freshwater tank, yeah, the ammonium, ammonium chloride can be an effective way to deal with that. Very well said. So what are your favorite types of filtration systems for an aquarium? Oh, sorry, what was that? Oh, the question was, what are what are some of your favorite filters for an aquarium? Hmm, okay. Well, I like to 
I like to use plants partially as you know a natural source of filtration, and so I like to include live plants in a lot of my tanks because uh, I think they do a lot of the biological filtration, helping out with the bacteria, but also you know providing uh, you know aesthetic element to the tank as well as hiding places for the fish and so on. So I like that. But in terms of filters that I use on the tank, uh, I do use a lot of bio wheel filters because of the surface area they provide for the uh, bacteria. I like um, AquaClear, you know, these are both hang on back filters for freshwater tanks, although you can use them in saltwater tanks too, but um, typically in marine tanks, of course, you use a lot of things like protein skimming and stuff like that. But uh, in our little 10-gallon um, marine tank that we had for quite a while, our main source of filtration was just a little bio wheel, and then we also had a power head or two on a rotating power head to increase the flow. And that worked fine as long as we kept up with our water changes until, of course, we had the uh, problem with the excess food, food put in there. But, yeah, um, that, that's something I use. But uh, for our axolotl tank, for example, we have a, a simple sponge filter because they don't like a lot of flow. And most filters will increase the temperature slightly in a tank, and a sponge filter doesn't really do that because there's no motor that the water is running across to to warm up the water. So since our axolotl needs to be quite, quite cool, we use a sponge filter for him. And then we have basically an internal water flow, uh, waterfall filter for our African clawed frog. And interestingly enough, our little uh, brackish opaiula tanks that we have, and I think I mentioned we have four of those, those shrimp don't require any filtration beyond you know the natural cycle that occurs in the tank. There's no water flow of any kind, and these shrimp are uh, adapted to do really well without it. And so... I don't. I don't have any sort of filtration in those tanks. Oh, very nice. So, what are your guys? What are your guys' favorite fish? <laughs> well, you should start out with I, that one. I I am a goldfish girl. Goldfish and koi. I think just because they're so peaceful, uh, you know, you can just go sit and look in front of there and feel very zen. <laughs> and I really like that. Those those are my favorites. Yeah. And she did mention already that she loves rays. Oh, and the rays. Yes, that's true. For me, it's really hard to put my finger on um, a favorite fish. I have so many that I would love to do that I haven't done, and I have so many that I've done that I'd like to do again. Um, I really like cichlids because their behavior is so interesting. And I've, like I mentioned, I kept and bred quite a few of those, um, and there are a number of them that I would like to do. Uh, I did have a Malawi um, cichlid tank at one point um, before we moved to Hawaii, and unfortunately I had to sell that. So because we were moving into Hawaii and I couldn't take it, but I uh, really enjoyed the interaction that the Malawi cichlids provided. Um, I would love to keep dwarf seahorses. Seahorses are another one that Kelly likes, That's too. True. And if it were legal to have leafy sea dragons, that would be up there, too. <laughs> but it's not, I don't think. so. Right. So, yeah, someday we want to do dwarf seahorses, and uh, those, those are just a few. Um, I could go on for hours. I love the way dojo loaches will come up to the water and kind of kiss the surface of the water when they see you because they want you to feed them, and you can hear it from across the room. <laughs> My brother used to keep those and when we uh, were kids, and um, I would help him take care of his tank and so on. And I'd love the way that the dojo loaches would rise up and do that at the surface of the water. I love clown loaches, too, actually. I love a lot of loaches. Um, I used to have a tank with uh, about half a dozen clown loaches that would... Uh, loaches, too. And I've had coolie loaches. I love loaches uh, in general, but... Uh, yeah, I I really can't pick a favorite. There's so many that I like. So um, whatever you have at the time, that's your 
favorite. Yeah. yeah, the other day at the aquarium I saw a fish I had never seen before. Which was novel. Which was unusual because <laughs> usually I can recognize the fish or at least the family, but I did not have any idea what this fish was. And it was called a grunt sculpin. And I had seen sculpins before, but this one was so unique that I had no idea it was a sculpin. And uh, it was one of the most bizarre things I ever, I have ever seen in my life to this day. I, I don't know. Um, so that amazed me, and I had to go ask them what it was. And uh, I took a video of it, and we posted it on our Facebook page and everything. So yeah, I just I love discovering new things about fish, and whether it's a you know a goldfish and watching how it behaves in a certain situation or a fish I've never seen before. Awesome. It sounds like you're just like me. Any fish you like is your favorite. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your thoughts on the discus? Oh, discus are really amazing to watch. Um, they're quite beautiful. They're very beautiful, and their colors are incredible. For a freshwater fish, I mean, it's hard to top the colors you can see in a discus. You have to go into marine tanks to be able to do that, I think. But um, I've never actually kept them, um, and someday I might. But I've, we have a listener from Australia who regularly contributes to the show who uh, you've probably heard, and he has had a lot of trouble with discus. It sounds like they're, they're pretty difficult fish. He set up with this marvelous big tank with um, excellent water quality and lovely plants and everything, and he ended up losing a lot of the discus to some parasites. So that may be something we do someday, but um, I'd have to have a big supply of RO water and so on, because our water here is it's really hard. It's very hard, so it's not something I've done. I tend to keep fish that uh, can can thrive in our local water conditions. So hence the Malawi cichlids and so on, rather than things like the the blackwater fish. Nice. I like the angelfish personally better than discus. Angelfish are more majestic, in my opinion. I really love angelfish, and I've kept quite a few of those. Yeah, that was actually one of the first egg-laying fish that spawned for me when I was a kid. I had a pair of those in a 20-gallon tank, which I still have. I don't have the angelfish anymore, but I still have the 20-gallon <laughs> tank. That's that, that, really that would be a really old angelfish. Yeah, really old angelfish. But I, I agree, they're extremely majestic, and I love the way they look. It doesn't matter what type. I know a lot of people talk about the Altum angels, and I love those. They're great. But any kind of angel is just amazing. Any any color, it doesn't seem to matter. They're just there's something they're very floaty, and they're very uh, they're very interactive too. They learn very quickly that you're the source of food, and they will do their special dance for you as soon as they <laughs> see you from across the room. So I've always loved angelfish. Yeah, angels are awesome, and they're kind of hardy too. So I'm sure they can just hard water. They they can yeah. Our, yeah. We've kept them out here. We've kept them out here with with no problems. They they do well. They grow quickly. And uh, I've never encountered any issues. In fact, um, I've had them spawn for me in hard water, so I don't think it's a big problem at all. They do really well. What fish food do you feed your fish? Well, I do a lot with live foods. Um, That is one of my specialties, actually. That's actually how we got started in the podcast. Yeah, you Um, were kind of doing podcasts to teach people how to take care of the live food cultures that you were selling. Right, and that's that's how we began back in, what was it, 2008 or something? 2008, yeah. Yeah, um, so I do a lot of live foods. I've done uh, various types of worms, like the micro worms, worms, banana worms, 
grindle worms, um, red worms. Let's see. Uh, right now, some of the live foods I raise are um, the wingless fruit flies, which our fish love, a couple of the different species of springtails, which all surface-feeding fish really get a kick out of, um, confused flower beetles, um, different things like that. So it's pretty common for our fish to get uh, live food every day, uh, but we, I, we also use prepared food. Um, omega-1, I like omega-1. That's uh, one of my favorites, partly because a lot of their ingredients are whole meals from various uh, you know, marine sources and things like that, rather than just fish meal. It's like whole salmon meal or whole herring meal, whole shrimp meal, that kind of thing. So I like that. And they also have some good natural carotenoid colorants and things like that. So um, I use a lot of that. And there, I have other terrestrial creatures that will even eat that, so I keep it around for lots of reasons. Nice. So do you still sell your live food? I do, yeah. Um, I have... What do we have right now? Well, right now? <laughs> I just talked about some of the ones that we have right now. We fruit got the, flies. do the fruit flies, and we do the um, confused flower beetles and the bean beetles. I do a lot of uh, isopods, too. I have done lots and lots of daphnia and amphipods and things like that. Unfortunately, we moved fairly recently, and I lost my daphnia-amphipod combo culture when we moved, so I haven't set that back up, but uh, I probably will. Um, I raise a lot of other things, too, uh, like isopods, uh, but that's not... Uh, some fish will eat those, like puffer fish and things like that will eat those, but... Uh, I'm also a hobbyist in the, uh, you know, other realms. We keep geckos and other creatures as well. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been focusing on raising a lot of isopods, but in addition to that, we do still do a lot of those other things like the fruit flies and the confused flower beetles and the bean beetles and, and so on. So where can our listeners find your uh, live food that they like to order some? What was that? Where where can our listeners purchase some live foods from you? Ah, okay. Well, uh, right now, the best way until I get um, my shop rolling again is just to email me. Um, people, That's how people usually do it. They just email me at like, info at aquariumox.com and get in touch with me that way. Awesome. A-Q-A-R-I-A-M-A-X. Yep. Yep. Or so they can like just to, go to um, Oh, go ahead. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, no, that's fine. They can just go to AquariumX.com, uh, the website, too, and there's a contact page there, and a lot of people use that or as well. Or you can look us up on Facebook, yep. their Facebook page. Awesome. So I'm going to look you guys up on Facebook and like your page. Cool. That would be lovely. <laughs> and you have a Facebook page, too, don't you? Yes, I do. I have uh, American Variety Network. My my original network have the Aquarium Talk on there as well. Cool. Yeah. So we can do that. We can well, reciprocate. We'll yeah, yeah. We can look you up as well. Awesome. Sounds good. So for all of our live listeners out there, I'd like to remind you if you have any questions for Russ and Kelly, host of Aquarium X, please feel free to call in at one three four seven. Nine eight nine eight one four two. What's your guys' favorite part of the aquarium hobby? Mm. I'll go first if you want. Yeah, okay. Go <laughs> Russ is like, I can't pick. <laughs> um, I think it's been really good for our kids 
to grow up with, to learn from their dad and, you know, watch all these different kinds of life. From the time they were little, they would just sit in front of the fish tank. It's great for fussy toddlers. (laughs) Say, hey, come sit in front of the fish tank. And they just get absorbed watching the fish and forget what they were having a tantrum about. Yeah, Um, it's better than TV. Totally better than TV. (laughs) Um, So it's it's been fun for our family to have them grow up with that and have them be involved with life and the world around them. Yeah, that's a good point. I, and I would also say that for me, uh, having fish and other aquatic cre- creatures around has been very calming. I tend to get a little agitated if I don't have a critter around that I can watch. It's true. <laughs> so um, that's, it's good. I have a couple of tanks in my office. I have, uh, you know, we have tanks spread around the house and so on. And that's just something that helps keep me peaceful uh, and relaxed. So I... I really enjoy it for that. Uh, I think I, I just feel more connected to the world and so on if I have creatures around me that I can watch. And, and fish and other aquatic creatures like shrimp are especially relaxing, I think, partly because they move so effortlessly. Mm-hmm. I think that that kind of passes on to me. I feel like I'm sort of energy. moving along with that peaceful energy that they that they have. Well said. Now, my favorite part of the aquarium hobby is actually watching the fish and feeding the fish and interacting with the fish and also going to the fish store and buying new fish. I don't know. I I just love going to the fish store and getting a new fish. It's exciting. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I, I feel that way, too. It's it's always fun to, to experience something new um, with the fish, and um, that's part of the reason I think I love breeding fish so much. Is because it's this completely new experience that you get to uh, participate in uh, whenever you try a, a new species. And, and you get the same kind of feeling when you acquire a new fish, too. That's true. I think I'm a really good local visitor at my fish store. I'm probably there every week. <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've had that uh, relationship we we used to live next to very close to a really good fish store unfortunately when we moved there's not one nearby to uh, replace it so i'm i feel the lack there we we only have big box pet stores in our city now um there are no you know mom and pop fish stores so i really miss that uh, there's one in the town about 20 minutes away and that's the closest one so we have to make sacrifices when we move i guess but now i have more space for more pets so that helps Oh, that's good. So you have, like, stores like Petco and PetSmart, right? Yes, yes, we do have both of those in in the town, but, uh, yeah, nothing locally owned. What are your guys' thoughts on Petco and PetSmart selling fish? Well, I think I, I miss the element of um, depth of knowledge that uh, a mom-and-pop pet store can bring and the passion that they bring to it. Not to say that I haven't met passionate fish keepers in working in big box stores, because I have, but I think it's less common. I think there are people who work in big box stores who are there because it's a job, and some of them don't particularly care for the creatures particularly or, or you know, have a lot of depth of knowledge behind what they're doing. And so they will say things that will help them make a sale rather than, you know, and I'm not saying that of everyone, but there are people like that who work in big box stores. I think it's less common to find that in a mom and pop store. So um, I miss that element, and I think 
a lot of things have contributed to that, and one of them is you know online sales, which can be great in a lot of ways because it brings hobbyists together, you know, especially hobbyists with kind of rare interests in fish that they might not be able to find anywhere except online, and that's great. But I think um, both the advent of the big box stores and the fact that on you can, online you can buy so many things, it's probably they've both contributed to the decline of our our treasured mom-and-pop pet stores. Yeah, I agree with you, Juan. That's a good point. I think this is the perfect opportunity for you and your your wife to open up a fish store in your area. <laughs> we've talked about that. <laughs> we have. We've talked about it many times. There's there's an empty shop just down the street. <laughs> I think let's just do that and we can walk to work. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I've, I have been tempted. You never know. We have uh, one of our listeners who did that uh, not too long ago, and he, he loves it, but he says that... Uh, he has no free time. <laughs> yeah, when you have your own business, it's there's yeah. Yep. He, your life. he opened a, a fish and reptile store in uh, the UK, and he he really enjoys it, but he he's really busy. Ah, uh, nice. I think you guys would have the perfect attitude for owning a business. Well, we'd certainly have fun. I I can't imagine working in a pet store like that and not having fun every day. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be. Fun and I think Russ, you'd have a really good, you know, skill and for this of helping people decide what kind of pet is actually what they're looking for. You know, not just oh that's cute, I'm gonna get that, but you know, let's find out what fits your your needs and your lifestyle and, and your, your budget time and commitment. your time commitment. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very important element when you're choosing fish or any pet. Awesome. So the last question I'll ask you before we take our intermission is, what are your tips for buying new fish for our listeners out there? Mm. I would say one of the most important things is take a good long look around the store before you buy anything from the store. Determine um, if the fish in general are being well taken care of. Um, That doesn't mean, you know, you can walk into a store that has 50 tanks that doesn't mean you won't find one dead fish somewhere in the tank and doesn't you know finding one dead fish in a tank somewhere doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't buy anything from that store but you should get an idea because you know fish stores get lots of fish in and they often get them in poor shape and the better stores will get those fish into better shape before they sell them but inevitably they're going to have a few losses along the way so but get an idea of if you're looking through the tanks and you see a trend oh there are dead fish in so many of these tanks or uh, you know, I can tell that this tank has been scuzzy and hasn't been clean for a long time. You know, look at that first and then have a talk with someone who works in the pet store and try to get an idea of how they feel about the fish and whether they're more concerned with making a sale or more concerned with making sure you succeed. And once you've done those two things, I think then you can make a decision. Um, I also think, if at all possible, and I know this isn't always possible, but I would suggest that a beginner especially go into the store and look before they even buy things. Bring a notebook or make notes on their phone or whatever they want to do and write down some things that appeal to them and go home and do some research and say, is this compatible with the tank setup that I'm working on? Is it um, something that's going to be long-term or something I would have to upgrade before I could do that? You know, these kinds of things. Do a lot of research before they bring anything home. So go visit the store, um, get some ideas, and then go home, research, and then go back and buy fish when you're ready. 
Very well said. Now, do you think beginners should have a quarantine tank? Well, I think quarantine tanks are an excellent idea, and I think um, it kind of depends on what the beginners are going to do. I mean, if they're going to go get two fish or six fish from the same tank and just keep those fish in that tank, then essentially their tank is their quarantine tank to a large extent. And it's not as critical, but I would say if they have the space and they have the funds, a quarantine tank is always a good idea. It's always better. I know on the saltwater side of things, a quarantine tank is, like, essential, but when I was in the freshwater hobby, a quarantine tank was just something that was an added benefit. Yeah, I think it's taken less seriously in the freshwater world, which is probably not a good thing because it would help um, reduce problems, definitely. Awesome, and I agree 100% with you. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick intermission where we're going to hear two songs and some of our commercials. And when I come back, we're going to talk about Aquaria Max, the podcast, and how it began. Remember, listeners, you can call in at 1-347-989-8142 with any questions you have for our wonderful guest tonight. Tonight on Aquarium Talk, the podcast, I, Aqua Alex, am interviewing Aquaria Max's host, Russ and Kelly. We're having a great show. We can continue it right after this short intermission.
started whooping her ass first than before they first were divorced, throwing her over furniture. It's the return of the... Oh, wait, no, wait, you're kidding. He didn't just say what I think he did, did he? And Dr. Dre said, nothing, you idiots. Dr. Dre's dead. He's locked in my basement. Feminist women love Eminem. Chicka, 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 slim shady. I'm sick of him. Look at him, walking around, grabbing his you-know-what, flipping the you-know-who. Yeah, but he's so cute, though. Yeah, I probably got a couple of screws up in my head loose, but no worse than what's going on in your parents' bedroom. Sometimes I want to get on TV and just let loose, but can't. But it's cool for Tom Green to hump a dead moon. My bum is on your lips. My bum is on your lips. And if I'm lucky, you might just give it a little kiss. And that's the message that we deliver to little kids. And expect them not to know what a woman's clitoris is. Of course they're going to know what in the course is. By the time they hit fourth grade, they got the Discovery Channel. Don't they? We ain't nothing but mammals. Well, some of us cannibals who cut other people open like cantaloupe. But if we can hump dead animals and antelopes, then there's no reason that a man and another man can't elope. But if you feel like I feel, I got the antidote. Women wave your pantyhose, sing the chorus, and it goes. I'm Slim Shady, yes, I'm the real Shady. All you other Slim Shadies are just demonstrating. So won't the real Slim Shady please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Cause I'm Slim Shady, yes, I'm the real Shady. All you other Slim Shadies are just demonstrating. So won't the real Slim Shady please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Will Smith don't got a cuss in his rap to sell records. Well, I do. So fuck him and fuck you too. You think I give a damn about a Grammy? Half of you critics can't even stomach me, let alone stand me. But Slim, what if you win? Wouldn't it be weird? Why? You guys can just lie to get me here so you can sit me here next to Britney Spears. You see, Christina Aguilera better switch me chairs so I can sit next to Carson Daly and Fred Durst and hear him argue over who she gave head to first. Little bitch, put me on blast on MTV. Yeah, he's cute, but I think he's married to Kim. <laughs> I said download her audio on MP3 and show the whole world how you gave him an MVD. I'm sick of you little girl and boy groups, all you do is annoy me, so I have been sitting here to destroy like me, who cuss like me, who just don't give a fuck like me, who dress like me, walk, talk, and act like me, and just might be the next best thing, but not quite me. I'm Slim Shady, yes, I'm the real Shady, all you other Slim Shadies are just imitating, so won't the real Slim Shady please stand up, please stand up, please stand up, cause I'm Slim Shady, yes, I'm the real Shady, all you other Slim Shadies are just imitating, so won't the real Slim Shady please stand up, please stand up, please stand up. I'm like a head trip to listen to, cause I'm only giving you things you joke about with your friends. Your living room, the only difference is I got the balls to say it in front of y'all, and I don't gotta be false or sugar-coated at all. I just get on the mic and spit it, and whether you like to admit it, I just shit it better than 90% of you rappers out can. Then you wonder how can kids eat up these albums like volumes, it's funny. Cause at the rate I'm going when I'm 30, I'll be the only person in a nursing home flirting. Spins the nurses' asses when I'm jacking off a Jergens and I'm jerking, but this whole bag of Viagra isn't working. And every single person is a slim shady lurking, he could be working at Burger King, spitting on your onion ring. In the parking lot, circling, screaming, I don't give a fuck with his windows down and his system up. So will the real shady please stand up and put one of those fingers on each hand up and be proud to be out of your mind and out of control? And one more time, loud as you can, how does it go?
Are you enjoying tonight's episode of the American Variety Network? Great! The American Variety Network really appreciates your listening. We also appreciate listener feedback. Please feel free to email us your thoughts and opinions on tonight's show. Our email address is American Variety Network at Comcast.net. That's American Variety Network at Comcast.net. You may also email us with any questions, comments, or concerns you may have about our show. You can also email us to book a guest appearance on the American Variety Network or you may contact us to become a sponsor of the American Variety Network. American Variety Network at Comcast.net. Would you like to find out when the next episode of the American Variety Network is? Do you want to find out the news and updates for the American Variety Network? Well, all you have to do is go on your computer and log on to the social media sites. The American Variety Network is now on Facebook and Twitter. That's right, you can find the American Variety Network on Facebook and Twitter. Like our fan page on Facebook called American Variety Network and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter fan page is at American Network One. Again, our fan page on Facebook is American Variety Network. Hit like and our fan page on Twitter is at American Network One and hit follow.
Hey calling all fish keepers. It's time to chat aquariums right here right now on American Variety Network. Fish keeper Alex Cardinale is fish keeping hosts and his fish keeping guests will chat about anything and everything aquarium fish. Ladies and gentlemen, we present to you Aquarium Talk the Podcast, which is our tropical fish keeping podcast where we will discuss anything from freshwater catfish to freshwater oddballs to the awesome saltwater clownfish, tans, and even corals and live rock. So fish keepers, sit back relax and unwind, Aquarium Talk the Podcast is now on the air. Directed show now. We don't really 
um, once in a while we'll have something we want to put in there, but generally we're just responding to those uh, comments and questions. And sometimes we'll do interviews. And too. once in a while we do interviews, which we enjoy as well, but uh, the, the main driving force of the show is just what people send in. So is your shows live, or are they having more of an archive kind of show? Well, we have experimented a little bit with uh, the live shows. We've done one or two, but uh, most of them are the archive format. We do our recordings on Monday nights, and then we release them on Wednesdays. So that's typically how it works. So it's not, Very you know, nice. the, the questions aren't called in live either. You know, people will send emails or they'll leave us a voicemail, that right. kind of thing. And we've done a couple of YouTube-based shows where it was a live show where we have people um, do a YouTube chat session, and then we um, release that as an MP3 later as a podcast as well. So uh, we've done it, but we've ended up, the, the past couple of times we've done it, we've had a few technical problems where one or two of the people can't get in, and so we've just tended to stick to our basic format. Now, do you guys take callers or no? Um, not not during the show, we don't, but uh, we will, uh, we have had call-in interviewees, and we we will do that. And we have a voicemail number if people want to leave a voicemail with their question instead of an email. Yeah, so we've had quite a few people do that. I would actually like to do more of the live shows. The main thing is getting a time that works. But uh, Part of it is, too, we've got listeners, you know, really one end of the globe to the other, so it would be difficult, I think, to have it be live and be at a time of day <laughs> when <laughs> everybody who wanted to could actually call in. Right, like we did have... Uh, We've had a couple of interviews with uh, one of our regular contributors from the U.K., but finding a time that worked for him and for us was a little bit tricky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I hear you on that. It's hard to schedule U.K. guests because time zone difference. Yeah, so we ended up usually doing it early in the morning for us, so it's in the afternoon or evening for him, and it worked out okay, but, yeah. So what do you use to uh, record your podcast? We have, uh, let's see, it's a DR40 field recorder is our current setup. So it's a pretty nice microphone, condenser mic, and uh, it we can put it on a tripod and aim it at our faces, and it picks up pretty well, and it's really easy to upload to the computer and so on. So, yeah, we've had that for several years now, probably, I don't know, maybe four years, something like that. No, we didn't. Maybe. I thought we didn't get that until we moved into the duplex. I don't remember. Maybe maybe, maybe it's only years. two or three maybe years. It's only been two years. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, that's that that's a good like one. That just seems like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. We, we had the the other condenser mics before that. The yeah, and we quit using those in the duplex because it echoed. It too much. echoed too much because we had really high ceilings. the high ceilings and everything, and we didn't have carpet Hard in that room. So. Yeah, but yeah, we've been using the DR40, and it it works well for us. So we you originally just, you just started threw, um, recording on, I think it was an MP3 player, and the, the, our original first few episodes are on that, and they sound pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my first few shows sounded terrible, too. Yeah, but it's uh, a learning curve, isn't yeah, it? you got to start somewhere. Yeah, that's true. So you just upload your files to your website, and you can hear it that way, right? Yep. And they're yep. on and iTunes. And they're on iTunes yeah. and some other podcatchers. As well, but uh, and we post it to our Facebook page every week, so people can get yep. it there too. So there's several ways to do it. You can go to iTunes or the Facebook page or just our website. The website has all the old episodes, also. Like right. iTunes only keeps it 
up to a certain point. Right. But all of them are available on the web, on the website. And that means we've got, let's see, 279-plus episodes up now, I think. Wow. Wow. It's been a while. <laughs> yep. It's been six years this month, I think. Yeah, it was, we started. it was about January. Yep. And originally we didn't do a, a weekly format. We did a, like, twice a month. Two weeks? Or yeah. Yeah. About sometimes once a month. <laughs> but it seems to work better actually if we do weekly because you know then people remember because it's it's more regular and. Yep, and if I ever miss an episode, we almost always get people writing in and say, "What happened? <laughs> Are you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people do that to me too when I take days off. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of nice though. It's nice to know they care. It's nice to be wanted, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So have you guys ever considered going on a live radio show like Blog Talk Radio? I've thought about it, yeah. Um, and we, we may eventually do that. I don't know. I, I need to look into it a little bit more and see what that would entail, but um, definitely thought about it. I know that that's the way of many podcasts do it, and it seems to work really well. So I think one nice thing about it is that when you are on Blog Talk Radio, you already have an audience that's kind of they know they're already looking in that area and so it's easier to find I think yeah that's true and I, I like the fact that you can live callers too on Block Talk yeah, Radio yeah that is a benefit I think it adds a lot of good variety to the show that way that's true now what does it take to be a guest on your show well um, it's not that hard, actually. We've had um, people, sometimes we've asked people um, to be a guest just because, you know, they have a particular area of interest uh, that we would like to discuss. Expertise. And um, sometimes we've had people say, well, um, I want to talk about this. And we say, you know what, you should come be a guest on our show because um, that I think a lot of other people would be interested in that. So, yeah. Um, we're always interested in people who want to be on the show. They can just contact us and let us know. And if we can work it out, if it's at all possible, we'll be happy to have them on the show. So, so how about me? Would, so you, about would you guys be happy to have me on your show? Oh, sure. sure. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. I'll talk about salt water and fresh water at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, we've got listeners that do them both. Yeah, yeah. So that would be great to get more salt water. And, and we've done some salt water episodes too, so it's just been a while, and so it's high time that we do it. So yeah. Awesome. So I'll email you a schedule that I'm free, and we can work it great. out. Yeah. yeah, sounds good. Awesome. So where can I where can our listeners find your show? Is your website and iTunes, right? Yep, yep, yep. If they do a search for Aquarimax dot com, um, that'll come up. Um, the iTunes, Facebook, and um, our normal website will all come up in the first, you know, as soon as they type in Aquarimax in Google, for example, they'll all come up. And we also have a Twitter account and what else? Google Plus. We've got lots of different social media. Your YouTube channel, did you say? Oh, YouTube, YouTube channel? channel as well. Yep. He's got our YouTube you know, channel. videos for fish and, and live foods and things up on his YouTube channel. Yeah, so that's Those another really good resource. Helpful, yeah. and actually, our YouTube channel is getting pretty popular. We just topped um, 500,000 views about a month ago, I think. So it's not too or, shabby. So it's not too bad. <laughs> Congratulations. That's a lot. Yeah, thank you. So, so what are you talking yeah. about on your podcast? 
anything and everything aquarium related. Um, occasionally, you know, whatever people ask us about. Yeah, it's just questions and comments uh, people have about anything uh, from our my shrimp are are suffering from parasites. What should I do? To um, what kind of tank should I set up? This is my situation. I've got a 55-gallon tank, and I don't know what to put in it. So what are your suggestions? And many times we'll open up that question to other listeners and say, okay, what do you guys think? And then the next week they'll chime in with their ideas. Um, sometimes, you know, there are questions that people ask. I've kept a lot of fish and plants in different aquarium um, situations, have a lot of experience, but there are areas I haven't done much with. So if someone asks about one of those things, I'll just open it up to the listeners, and they'll often chime in with some really great information. Or they'll share their projects that they're doing. One of our listeners in New York um, was sending us regular updates for a while about how he was building a fish room in his house and how he put the plumbing in, and he'd send videos in. Actually, on the YouTube channel, there's a section of the channel where it's all listener-contributed videos. So, you know, the videos that we talk about on the podcast, you can go to the YouTube channel and see them there, you know, that um, listeners have sent in with their tanks and their projects and things. Right. Sounds great. Sounds great. My friend Jeremy, who is a big fan of your show and our show, he can't call in tonight, but he's listening live. He says that he loves your podcast and he listens to it all the time on iTunes. Oh, that's so nice. Hello, Jeremy. Yeah, that's great to hear. <laughs> Thank you for being an Aquarimaxer, Jeremy. Yeah, he, he's the one that got me into your podcast, actually. Oh, oh that was nice of him. We got two <laughs> Aquarimaxers for the price of one. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have a wonderful podcast. So I'd like to remind all of my listeners out there, check out Aquarium Max. You're going to love their podcast. They're awesome. Uh, thank you. And we have uh, posted a link to this show on our Aquarimax Facebook page, and we will also in our next episode uh, make sure that everybody um, will we'll tell them about this interview and have them check it out and check out your um, variety show as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It sounds great. That, that's great. And we'll, we'll have to advertise you on this show. Yeah. Yeah. And we should definitely, you know, do like we said and have you come have an interview on ours. Yeah. Yep. We've got to do that. I'm definitely down for that. Okay. Well, I want to thank you guys for being here tonight. This was a fun show. Sure was. We've really enjoyed it. Thank you again for uh, inviting us. Yes, thank you very much. You're welcome. Before you go, would you like to uh, once again tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you type in Aquarimax um, in a search engine, um, yeah, A Q U A R I M A X. You type that in, you will get um, our website, which is a great place to um, hear our podcasts. You can also Put that as a search term in iTunes, and our podcast will come up. Or um, you can visit our Facebook page that has the same name, Aquarimax, or our Twitter account, um, or our Google Plus page, all with the same name, Aquarimax. And you'll you'll find us. Yeah, they can write oh, in. and YouTube. Say hi to us on the show. That's our YouTube channel too, Aquarimax. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You can find us that way on all of those all those different uh, venues, I guess. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This was a great show. I really enjoyed interviewing you guys. We enjoyed talking to you a lot, too. It was a lot of fun. So yeah. Thanks, we'll, And we'll look forward to doing it again. Yeah, we'll definitely do it in the future. And I want to say thank you to all of our wonderful listeners for tuning into this show. Thank you for 
Keepers, and make sure you check out Aquaria Max the podcast. It is awesome. Good night, everyone. Enjoy your fish, and take on, everyone. Good night.